the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This winter is shaping up to be an incredible time to be a sports fan, and there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Incredible stories, relentless reporting, and insightful analysis. The Athletic delivers everything you need on every sport that matters. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of ad free content that you simply cannot get anywhere else. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today. Get 40% off your first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Monday morning. Sitting here in Buffalo, which is <laughs> easier said than done right now for, for those of you that watched any kind of sports yesterday. Uh, hard to look away from the from the Hail Mary. We're going to talk a little NFL out of the gate here, then switch gears to obviously the Masters and what that means for the PGA season going forward, and then get into... What has turned out to become a pretty crazy NBA week here. We'll lay out the schedule, hit up some uh, hot stove trade news, some of the options that have been declined already, what that means for cap space. We're going to bring in Scott Allen here right now, actually. Scott, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Let's jump yep. across the board here. Here's the NFL story I want to talk to. It is not the Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the Patriots over the Ravens, even though that was uh, somewhat impressive. I, thought, I feel like it was pretty weather-related. But Baltimore is just not who we thought they were. Let's put it, let's put that out there and let that simmer. Um, I want to talk about the Saints. Uh, I don't know if you kept up with that game. There was a lot going on. I know you were you were into the Masters as well. We had a situation where Drew Brees is injured, and he was injured to the point of where he went to to Sean Payton at halftime and said, "I can't go. I can't do this. My rib is bad." We'll find out more today, obviously, about just how bad. But they turned to, J- to Jameis. Which I have to, I have to say this out loud because <laughs> you know I do these depth charts and I do these QB one QB two analysis with you know financials and things like that and I've been making Jameis the QB two on that team since the day he signed that contract Scott and I have, I've heard so much flack you know it's obviously Taysom Hill he's he's a sixteen million dollar contract <laughs> it's not Taysom Hill all right can we say that out loud now because Taysom Hill. Went in there to do his wildcat, went in there to do his tight end work and his blocking work. But Jameis Winston went out there to throw, to throw the football and and be the Jameis we saw him to be. What does this mean? Because, look, if it's not now, if, if Drew Brees isn't out for the next couple of weeks and maybe the season, most likely this is going to be the situation next year. I'm not going to put positive odds on Drew Brees returning to the football next year. So what kind of glimpse did we just get into the New Orleans Saints process? Because the rest of that team is pretty damn good. It is. Um, you know, this is what probably what Jamison in, in the back of his mind was kind of hoping for to give a way to show what he really has in a potent offense with the weapons that are on that team. So he's going to have probably a few weeks to, to, you know, showcase what he has and then either, stay with the saints or go to another team. Um, but you know, right. He's, he's showcasing for 2021 new Orleans is what he is. Right. Right. As is cam with new England right now. I I saw him do a few, you know, a few throws on red zone channel. They flipped over to him. He, he looked all right. Um, I mean, he wasn't from what I saw lighting the barns on (laughs) a couple of near picks, which God, the world was, was hoping for those, but I, but Without without Elvin Kamara on that team, oh man! I mean, he is a all around 
Um, I mean, I think I saw he's over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, um, total yards receiving and rushing at this point. You know, he's got the second most receiving um, receptions this season already. So, you know, he's not even necessarily a running back at this point. He had more uh, receiving yards than rushing yesterday as it was. So he's just that dynamic player that is all around. And then your, your point with Taysom Hill, I mean, I think in a way the DFS people had him pegged as a tight end from the beginning. Totally. FanDuel, I know, totally had him as a as a tight end, not as a wide receiver, not as a quarterback. So, and I and mean, that's my point, Scott. That's why I was projecting the way I was projecting, not because you know I sit here and research the crap out of the Saints practice squad. Uh, you're right. the The feeds we were getting were projecting him to not be a quarterback. And if you've watched any kind of Saints football, he's in there for two plays and he runs 99% of those plays. You know, we've seen him throw a couple of nice passes. I know he can play quarterback, but not he's not he's not in line to play quarterback on that team. So put the contract aside. I'm not even going to get into the contract. I have no idea. I don't get it. it to me, it's, an, it's a unicorn like Jimmy Graham. <laughs> That's what it is to me. Sometimes it's going to look great and most times it's going to look like a dud. So... But th- I, this I, is it, about Jameis. Really, this is really about Jameis. So your point is valid, is. Scott. Um, and your Kamara point is actually very valid because it's going to do two things. If this works out, let's say Breeze misses three weeks here and Jameis gets the Teddy Bridgewater shot, right? That's essentially how why Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback right now. He got his Drew Brees injury window last year. It was a little bit more significant, but did enough to warrant himself a middling starting quarterback contract on another franchise. Well, he might not have to leave Jameis to get that contract. But the point is this, it's not going to be 30 million. It's just not, you know, it's going to be 25 ish, you know, maybe a little bit more adjusted if the cab rises a little bit, which is unlikely, but he's going to get a nice little bridge contract, probably with the saints. If Drew Brees doesn't come back, and he's going to be protected heavily by the fact that Michael Thomas is out there, that Alvin Kamara is out there, and that this is a core that's been intact now for a bunch of years and knows what they're doing. And Jameis has had the sit on the bench Patrick Mahomes year with a, with mm-hmm. a, with a couple of games here to, to get his feet wet. Now, Jameis isn't Patrick Mahomes. It's obviously not the comparison I'm making. But what I'm saying is they're paying on a mil, on $1.1 million right now to put him in school. That's all this is. This is an yep. education because Absolutely. obviously we know that the guy can throw the hell out of the ball and he's willing to throw the hell out of the ball. And Peyton's got to love that because with the weapons that he's been able to draft and acquire and the clout that he has, if he needs to go get a free agent this off season or two, like a tight end, maybe he, he's going to be able to fill in the blanks pretty easily cap, you know, cap withstanding. But if you replace Drew Brees at 25 million with Jameis Winston at 25 million, it's just going to be let's keep, let's keep going. That's all. Now they're, now they're different players, and James isn't going to be Drew Brees, you know, for a lot of reasons. But I'm saying that this team can kind of just go. They're just going to go, and they're going to have their ups and downs and ebbs and flows. But this is a perfect situation now to start that transition process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's it's the sit a year, learn, know the system. And then plug and play. And, you know, we're going to see if this plug and play 
uh, with Winston works for the next few weeks. If it doesn't, then we obviously will know that, you know, the Saints are probably going to have to do something else in 2021. But if it does work, man, kudos to uh, Winston wanting to, you know, go in there and knowing that there may be a time where I have to get in there like Bridgewater did. And, and if it doesn't work out then he has to go and try to find another job somewhere else. But you know, super it, interesting, next, right? That, that the, it, I bet you, it, yeah. I bet you the Bridgewater situation was a, re- a really big factor. You know, Sean Payton's essentially recruiting for like co- a college football team, you know, come on in. You, yeah. You're going to be the next guy up once this guy graduates. And uh, you know, th- that's really what the thinking was. We can obviously only pay you the minimum, but it's going to be an educational year. You're, you're going to get your reps as needed. But yeah, this makes total sense. It always made sense to me. And that's why the Taysom Hill side of this, while it's squirrely and they're definitely overpaying, you know, Taysom Hill brings a, a nice little unique edge to the game. No, no question. He's a special teams guy, you know, a halfway decent tight end, a good blocking tight end. I, fine. He's a nice player. I'm, I'm not knocking him. He's just not a quarterback right now. And maybe he will be at some point, but he's not. It, this is this is like 25 percent of the Tim Tebow conversation. Too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what it right. is. And Taysom didn't take the Tim Tebow route. Taysom said, OK, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Tim Tebow wouldn't do that if you remember. Tim Tebow would not make himself a tight end. He would not make himself a special teamer. It was, I'm going to be a quarterback in the NFL or I'm not going to be in the NFL. And not, we know where that ended up. So <laughs> it's confusing to some degree, but it hasn't been for us, Scott. We, we've been following the projections. We've been following the positional breakdowns that we've received from our, our, our staff providers. And I, it just makes sense. And now looking forward, it even makes more sense because whether or not he's the guy, he's at least being groomed properly and being paid properly well, to be that next guy. You know, you start low and if you, if you, it's, it's the cam situation to, to, to a T, you know, if cam continues to at least be adequate, he's going to get that middling bridge starting quarterback contract somewhere, whether it's New England or somewhere else. Well, well, and the last thing I'll say with this is, you know, it, it's, it's ingenious that, you know, they're using Taysom Hill as they have been, whether he's a tight end, wide receiver, a quarterback, a running back, and they can still keep that same game plan and those same plays what I'm intact for him and have Winston just at the helm as if it was Drew Brees. So th- they don't have to skip a beat at all and change for Taysom Hill throwing the majority of the throws. They Nor will they next year. Keep- nor will right. they next year. If this is the plan to go forward, you're right. It's already been drawn up. Now, they got to fix their cap, and it's worth talking about for 40 seconds here. I mean, I've made mention on Twitter. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. But it is not smiles times in New Orleans in terms of salary cap next year. <clears throat> on the projected $175 million drop, they are about $95 million over right now. So, you know, you're going to take Drew Brees. You're only going to save yourself about $14 million on Drew Brees because of his uh, his dummy year dead cap. So it's not going to be as impactful of a retirement as they would probably like it to be. They're going to have to do some real damage in terms of restructures. And oh, by the way, one of those players that might go, uh, it's only $5 million saved, but might be Taysom. You know, they might have to move on Taysom or restructure Taysom. Uh, you know, he, one of many players that will need to be restructured. But there's uh, there's work to be done, for sure. So... While we're talking about a lot of continuity and a core that that's, has been intact, there may be a couple of pieces that have to fall off here heading into 2021, but not in those major spots. You know, Michael Thomas ain't going. Elvin Kamara ain't going. And it doesn't look like they have to do too much at the quarterback position. Now, Drew Brees could come back. 
I don't think it's likely, but this is now a three-week stint here, and I'm, and I'm estimating based on, you know, just what we kind of saw to Breeze. It's very rare that Breeze kind of, <laughs> you know, he's been a tough, a tough guy over the past mm-hmm. two decades. So to see him basically say, can't do it for the second half, something's probably not going to be good for the next few weeks. But we'll see. It's, uh, it's an interesting situation, and it kind of makes week 11 more interesting now because this is a really good Saints team that's going to have to at least hold serve for the next few weeks, but at the same time could also be figuring out their short-term future. Super interesting. It All is. right, let's get to the nuts and bolts of... Actually, let's go Masters. How was it okay. for you? How was it waking up, <laughs> uh, fixing your fantasy lineups while watching J- Xander Shoffley tee off at 7.50 a.m. Eastern? Different, different. You, know, you hated it, right? It, it was not my favorite, no. uh, spe- especially, you know, CBS having to alter their entire yeah. schedule to have all their games in the afternoon as opposed to having the morning, you know, the one o'clock game. So it really it really threw things off. I mean, at least the, the golf itself lived up to the, the expectations. You know, DJ just un- unbelievable with what he was shooting and the spots that he was placing those balls. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. It it just wasn't the same being in November as opposed to April at, at Justin Ray golf on Twitter, Scott, here's your stat of the day. It took Tiger Woods 23,789 PGA tour holes before his first 10 Wow. He shot a 10 yesterday. Almost yes, 24,000 holes without a 10. I can't even get through the front nine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Same here. Um, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. So obviously he wasn't a factor. You mentioned Dustin Johnson. We have the earnings updated on Spotrack, Spotrack.com slash PGA. For any of you out there that don't realize we track these things. Did this qualify for last season or next season? Or the current season <laughs> the, this current season so there's money. two masters in 2020 21 i think so okay. yeah i yep. mean when we when we as i've imported i mean it, it was tagged as uh, the 2021 season so yeah it's going to get counted twice crazy all right who's your uh earnings leaders then for this current season i would imagine it's dj with the two million yeah. plus cashed in yesterday yeah, DJ's at uh, 3.1 million, and then Bryson DeChambeau, 2.5 million right behind him. Okay. And then a couple of young kids, honestly, after that. So, um, who's going to get to the finish line here if you're a bet, man? Is DJ going to keep this up? I mean, he's had a hell of a 2020, all things considered. He's been extremely consistent. This is only his second ma- a major's win, but he's, got, he's had a lot of those above average tournaments go really well for him, at least over the past couple of seasons. Is he really 37 years old? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I I, I think he's got to be the favorite. Yeah. I haven't seen the odds or anything, but I've got to think he's got to be the favorite. Yeah. I mean, uh, good to see Rory back in contention. He's going to start climbing this list as long as he can continue to play tournaments. And, uh, you know, the DeChambeau story really didn't give us the the flair we were hoping for. He fizzled out. He barely made the cut, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he, he's not going away. I mean, he's a big personality, obviously a big figure and a big hit, a big hitter. So those kind of things always jump into the headlines. Which is good, which is good for the sport, because, I mean, we talked about NASCAR last week and some of the young stars and the personalities that, uh, you know, 
that they have in that sport. Golf, golf kind of needs those personalities. We had it with Tiger, with the flamboyancy and the, the winning. Uh, we need those personalities in golf to, you know, put them in the limelight. Sure. It's just the the production has to show on the course. I mean, Bryson has shown that he can uh, win here with, uh, at least in this season, he's got one win already. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it can translate for the rest of the season and he can, you know, chalk up some more wins and DJ. I hope he does. I'm glad that he won, uh, yesterday. It was pretty awesome having his brother right next to him and, yeah. you know, all, all the emotion and everything. So I, I, I hope he continues down the path here. Last point here, your career earnings list. So as it stands, it's obviously Tiger and Phil at the top. It's Jim Furyk and VJ Singh thereafter. DJ's fifth, and DJ's only $600,000 away from third. He's going to be third in PGA career earnings all time very, very soon here, like maybe by the end of the year. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's something to say right there. That's something to say. Tiger, Phil, and Dustin Johnson. Those are going to be your career earnings winners. So, like, like I said, that's consistency. You know, Tiger, Tiger won a lot of majors. So that's where the numbers start to add up quickly. And Phil have, has, you know, plenty of majors, but he was pretty consistent there for a, a four or five year stretch as well. That's kind of where Dustin is now. Dustin's kind of in Phil's world. And if Dustin can start, can start to rattle off a, a few more majors here, possibly in 2021, you know, he's going to really start to jump up the, the, the overall rankings, the Hall of Fame rankings as well. Um, but the consistency has been there now for at least 18 months. And I, 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 he'd be the betting favorite for me heading into 2021. I don't know why not. He's playing just solid golf. Something about not having fans. He sa- he said it now more than once. And, uh, you know, he, he's just one of those guys that maybe he has trouble deflecting. You know, there's a lot of every athlete's kind of different in this regard. It's a really interesting part of the sports that I've done some research on and some reading on just kind of casually on the whole psych- psychology of it and the mentality of it, especially like baseball pitchers and things like that. But, you know, anybody who's played around a golf knows how much that that's important. And it just seems like he, he's not shy about the fact that when there's a, you know, a thousand fans around a hole, he's a different golfer than when there's not. So he's banking off this year, this crazy, weird year. And certainly he's doing it well. Yeah. And the, you know, the last five years, excluding 2018-19 season I mean he was averaging three wins a season so if he can get two more and keep up that average here I mean he he is a force to be reckoned with the last point I'll make in listening and watching the Masters was the you know even my wife made mention of the commentary and the in hearing the golfers speak with the caddy and the information that they were saying I mean that that was great to hear it was it was. And, uh, you know, we're not going to get more of that because that's not something the athletes really want out there. Right. But it really does improve the, I, I mean, we mentioned it with basketball, Scott, it was enjoyable as hell, enjoyable as hell. And to some degree, I, I even, I'm okay with it in football. I mean, I don't know if you, a couple of the games that I tuned into yesterday, you had defenses calling out fake punts, you know, <laughs> defenses calling out just formations. You, you can kind of hear how the sausage is made a little bit and why some of these teams are that they are. There's a couple of guys out there that just are ahead of the curve. They kind of know exactly what's going on all the time. I, I eat that stuff up, but I know it's going away quickly and you know, vaccines are around the corner and fans will be back and there's nothing wrong with that either. That's for sure. But yeah, it's been a unique little year and good on Dustin Johnson grabbing his first green jacket. And like I said, sliding up that career rankings list. Okay. Let's get to the meat and potatoes here. The NBA. 
you've been laying out the projections now for a couple of weeks on this show. We have, what are we at? 99.9% clarity. <laughs> we yeah, still, pretty close. We still don't totally know when the league year starts, but we're assuming as such. Uh, that's sort of the last wrinkle to this week's puzzle. It's Monday. Tell us what's happening today and then kind of break out the rest of the week for us. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, like we said, uh, on speed here. So Monday, today at noon, trade window opens. We've already started hearing rumblings of trades here. You we'll know, get yesterday. there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. So we have got the trade window today. Um, today by 5 p.m., Anthony Davis has to opt his option decision, which he's already said he's opting out. Uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m., we've got the NBA draft. And, and then Thursday at 5 p.m., most of the rest of the options option decisions are due but we've had a, a, a bunch of trickling in here which we'll get to friday at 6 p.m the negotiation for free agency window opens and then official signings can happen on sunday at noon okay so it's the trade window in about three hours here eastern time that we've mentioned yep. some of the names we started you know last week a little bit with some fun exercises in this um you know i'm not going to obviously get time to write an article like i have for these other sports because to be quite honest the nba is pretty damn good at keeping this close to the vest you know outside of anthony davis's little four-month yeah. saga right you know do you remember the Kawhi situation last year everybody thought they knew everybody had it pegged and all of a sudden in two hours on a random night, it was in the, oh, close to the middle of the night. Not only does Kawhi yep. move, but OKC, OKC so dumps on Paul George and acquires their 97th first round pick. So it's uh, it's just not the kind of thing I like to project or even put time into projecting no. because and there's so many we're not going to be disappointed at, anyway. Too. We're not going to be disappointed. The, something's going to happen no. here that's going to make us, you know, love this week. I, I guess. Look, where there's smoke, there's fire usually is what I'm trying to say here. And the James Harden noise is loud right now. I mean, it, and it's not just loud. It's logical. We, talk, we talked about this last week, Scott, last, last Monday. The Nets are the right team. They're the right team. You got to take some edge off of Kyrie because Kyrie can't do this. He, he, he just can't be, you know, he can be the ball handler, but he can't be the ball handler and the captain. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So now you got this... And Grouchy, edgy, wants to shoot the lights out of the gym next to him in the backcourt. It's just perfect. It's just such a perfect fit. Um, and you're going to get the KD James Harden relationship again in Brooklyn. You're going to let Kyrie kind of, kind of just be his own guy. And then DeAndre Jordan, who fits well with all of them. I, I don't know. Boy, it certainly looks good on paper. Uh, are you are you at all concerned about what they'll have to give up? Because it sounds like I mean we've done the money matching ourselves here. It's for sure going to be Levert and or Dinwiddie, or is it both? Mm, I, I've seen either way, but Levert sounds like Jared Allen. Dinwiddie probably would be in there. I think Houston would probably want to have that back. You know, they they need on the fly retool. Then you're going to want to get back what you can. Okay, so they get Levert who I like a lot. Just had, he had a he had an injury injury bug there that kind of pushed things down the line a little bit. Can Levert and Russ play? Or is that too much of a match? I, I guess where I'm going is 
is the is the draw that Brooklyn's going to give Houston also going to push Russell Westbrook out of Houston? I think the writing's on the wall that Russell already wants out. Okay. So if if Houston can facilitate two trades well, to let move me put both it this way, players, though, Scott. Let me put it this way, though, Scott. This this Brooklyn team, like these three four players that are going to go to Houston, they made the playoffs without KD, it, without Kyrie, without Dander. They they just this a Dinwiddie run team wasn't half bad. I mean, they were a fringe playoff team, is what they were. We talked about this. How you know blowing this up for for KD. You know, obviously you get KD, you get him, but they were blowing up a pretty darn good team. And now we're at that point. It sure looks like it's about to happen. They're literally going to blow up the core that they put together that actually had some success together. So if that core just transfers together, right, it's somewhat of a New Orleans Lakers situation where this halfway decent young team is about to transfer to a new organization. They shouldn't be half bad. So so if Russell's concern, if Westbrook's concern is I'm not going to be here for a rebuild, I don't think that's what Houston's getting is my point. I think Houston's getting a, re- a reshuffling, a reorg, but these are t- these are players that have played together and have won together to some degree. So, does that core plus Russell actually lead to some success? Is it a little bit of an OKC situation? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think it could because, like you said, those players have been playing really well. And and on top of it, I don't think this is a coincidence by any means that. Brooklyn is coming up because you've got Steve Nash, but on as an assistant, D'Antoni signed on as assistant there. So if if Harden goes there, they already know what they have in in the relationship, not only with KD, but with D'Antoni there as well. So uh, like you said, where there's smoke, there's fire. We'll just see if the trigger gets pulled. And, and, um, you know, I, I would not be surprised if for some reason this becomes uh, if it does come to fruition, a multi-team trade where it's three, maybe even four, if it has to go that deep, just because of matching and moving money and all that aspects and teams wanting to get in on um, the, the sweepstakes of you know certain players, maybe they can um, cherry pick one, one of the players like a Jared Allen instead of going back to Houston, maybe he goes somewhere else. Um, I don't know. It's so just, it's it, just it, a nice three, four players right there. Levert, oh, Dinwiddie, Jaron Allen, and somebody else—that's that's a that's a really nice pullback for a, for a for an older James Harden, who, you know, this isn't Anthony Davis. This isn't Anthony Davis going to going to Brooklyn. You know what I mean? A guy who's literally going to transform your franchise. He's going to be a complimentary player there more than he's ever been in his entire career, James Harden. So, it's you know you're you're trading for the third guy and you're you're essentially the third guy of your big three. And you're going to give up a hell of a lot to do it, it sounds like. Yeah, this could either work out extremely well or this could be a yeah. complete disaster. Um, and and if for, this does work, you know, the Knicks, yeah, it, Brooklyn is going to start r- ruling the day even more there. I know a lot of the fans, I mean, it's Knicks and Madison Square Garden, but, you know, you've got three extreme large names, sure. um, personalities. Oh, no, no. It's Brooklyn's It's Brooklyn's East to lose at that point. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the scenarios that we're going to start seeing are just going to be phenomenal. And it, 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 it may be that, um, like you said, the NBA does a great job of, oh, here we go, bam. And, you know, we've got this trade and everyone's, you know, scrambling to understand what's going on. 
a scenario where, yeah, there's smoke here, but now that now that the lines have been drawn and even Houston's coming out and saying, oh, we're moving forward with Harden, but, you know, that could just be a smoke screen. You know there are a lot of teams on the phone this morning trying to figure out if they can get in on any of these scenarios, whether it's Westbrook or Harden. I'm going to give um, you two more, but before we do that, Scott, do, do us a favor and just lay out – how these trades work in the NBA, kind of layman's terms. So if a team is below the cap, they can absorb any player that they want up until, you know, up they can go $100,000 over the, the cap. But if they have cap space, they can absorb some of that with any player. Anyone that's above the cap, they have to do salary matching based on some number metrics of, how where you are and how much you're sending out and then it allows you to know how much you can receive so, so for hard, say so for example with harden scott harden's got well a 41 million dollar salary is that is that about it yeah, right okay so what are we talking about about 30 a minimum of 39 million or so has to come back yeah, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, it depend again. It depends on the team and where they are financially and what they would be sending back. So it would depend. I mean, there's going to be a threshold on what you can send and what you can't send. Uh, but that's why we say salary matching because it's going to have to be somewhere around that forty mark. Okay. All right. So the names we're mentioning obviously get us there. That's uh, that's why we're seeing what we're saying. Here's the other couple of teams. And by the way. I've got two teams in the Western Conference, but would Houston even consider that? Because I, I got to tell you, there's a Western Conference team that has a very similar situation um, in terms of the current roster and their success and could easily drop Harden into their other big two and work out great. I'm talking Denver. I, I, I actually think, uh, I actually think yeah. it's, it's as good a fit as Brooklyn. Um, you know, obviously Jamal Murray and Yo- and Joke in the Joker are not Durant and Kyrie, but they've been just as damn successful of late. So, are you giving up Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, that's essentially the salary match you'd need to do. And obviously, they'd want Porter Jr. in that trade. He's the the young stud, up and coming superstar, to boot at least. I, it, it's similar, right? You're you're essentially forfeiting your depth in order to have a big three that can compete with the Lakers, that can I, compete with, you know, this Brooklyn setup, whatever it would be. So it makes sense, but it, but it, does Houston play nice with Denver? Probably not. I think, I think the player that is more likely to go to a Denver team is Drew Holiday, yeah. and he has a lower value to, for matching purposes. So I think a, a player like that who – is going to compliment Joker and Murray and you may not have to send a Michael Porter jr. To new Orleans and you can keep him is probably a more viable option than Harden going there. I think also if you're Houston and you're retooling, if you can, if you can send Westbrook and or Harden both to the East at some point. So they're both out of the Western conference to sort of water down that Western Conference to give you a, a, at least a little bit more uh, shining hope with whatever you can come back with and retool on the fly. Um, I, I think that's probably a better option for them because, you know, if, if we always say that 
you know, that contract is untradeable. Chris Paul is untradeable. But now, you know, on the flip side, Chris Paul is going to get traded potentially again, you know, with the aging of these players and those salaries that these uh, players are making, you know, if they flip them to say Brooklyn, is Brooklyn going to be able to flip Harden again if they need to, you know, they're more likely if you can push them to the East, they're more likely probably going to be staying in the East at this point. So, uh, but anything's possible, but I think if they can water down the West a little bit with getting, if, if the writing is on the wall that these two players don't want to be in Houston and they're going to ship them, they're going to have to go to the East to at least give Houston a, a better shot than, trading them within the West. Okay, here's my last team for you. And it's a haymaker. It's a haymaker. And it would, it would, it's maybe the best move for Houston. I'm going to put it this way. But I don't know if you can get the GM to agree to it because it would be an admission that he's got to blow up a lot of work that he's done. It's Boston. But Boston makes, Boston makes a heck of a lot of sense for Houston as a trade partner here. Because this is what Boston has right now, Scott. They've got three first-round picks in this Thursday draft. And they've got Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart that are teetering, at least, on a trade block. Teetering. Jalen Brown's a heck of a player. Marcus Smart's a heck of an X-factor player. But I think you, ha- I think you at least consider bringing in James Harden to shake things up a bit. Does Boston need that shakeup? They're, they're damn close. They've been damn close for two years. But... Does Danny Ainge just kind of sit on his hands and let this thing play out for one more year? Or does he take advantage of a situation that's in front of him right here where he can get a little bit more experienced and arguably better? Now, I say arguably. Maybe that's the point I want you to talk on. Does that make Boston better? No, I don't think so. You don't? So you don't like this move? No, no I don't. I don't at all. Um, I, I, I think, you know, they got the Jason Tatum. He's going to be able to be extended they they love him. I think they've got some other big man pieces that they need to take care of. Uh, we'll see what Gordon Hayward does. See, that's, whether, uh, my, that's my the interesting part in. of it. Well, that's the interesting part of this, Scott, because, you know, you could. Yes, you'd lose Jalen Brown, which is just a gigantic loss, but you should be getting the production back from Harden, not the rebounds and the assists. But, um couldn't you then go and re- at least replace some of those numbers with a Gordon Hayward sign and trade? You could. I mean, Harden is an obvious upgrade over Gordon Hayward, I think. But I, I don't know if Harden is going to play well with the Kemba Walkers and the Jason Tatums. And like I said, they ne- they need to figure out their their big man piece and Harden isn't isn't that uh, my thinking would be Harden would eliminate the need for the big man they would convert into what Houston had become which would be a purely outside team because look Jason Tatum's only going to get more towards that 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 post up play as it is you know he's a he's a nice outside shooter but you could take that the game completely away from him with Harden he wouldn't have to be that player. It'd be more of a Durant style where, yes, he steps back and has a three in him at, at times, but he's also a slash and go guy, which is what he's best at, what, what he should be, more, a more physical player. So that's my thinking is James Harden, of course, will be his own animal on that team, but he'll make Tatum a better version of himself, which I think Boston needs. 
I, I think Boston needs that. I mean, Tatum took step another step forward this past postseason, but it wasn't enough to carry the team all the way. That's for sure. I, I think it's unlikely, but really possible, really possible that Boston's in right now and making phone calls. They don't want those three firsts. Those are expensive picks. You know how this works. They're right up against that tax, if not over at this point. Um, you know, that Kemba move was questionable at this point, so they might have to cover that up a little bit. And this would be a, certainly a big way to do it, would be, you know, if Kemba can't go full bore, especially now in a quick, quick turnaround season, we better get somebody who has been durable, plays a bunch of minutes, and can shoot the lights out. There's nobody better than Harden right now available. So I, I'm going to put him on the list. I'm, you know who I'm not putting on the list, and I've seen it. I'm not putting Golden State there. No, no. I don't. Why would so. they take on that salary? Right. And who are you? And who are you sending back? <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously Wiggins and what Draymond. I mean, Houston going to want that? I don't necessarily know. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's possible either. I think Boston's way more possible than Golden State, and not to mention it's an East team, which. As you and I both agree, it's probably a pretty important fa- part of this whole conversation. All right. To me, Russell's a big question mark because I think we're, they're going to wait and see what, hap- what they pull back in Houston if there's a hardened trade before they do anything with Westbrook. To me, that's a plan A, plan B. Chris Paul to Phoenix done for all intents? Or is Milwaukee still trying their ass no. off? I'm going to say no because from what I've read and heard, there are a handful of teams that are are in on Chris Paul. I think Phoenix is probably pushing hard for it, but there are a handful of other teams. So I think it's going to be who who wants to give us your best in final and OKC uh, takes that. If you're OKC, do you want to trade Chris Paul to Phoenix again? Who is in the West? You, you, it, they they may have to ante up a little bit more because they're dealing within the uh, conference there maybe but uh, whether to me that's that's an admission that they're going all the way down and from what true. i've heard this is this is true. this is kind of like yeah. a good favor move when they acquired him in the first place chris paul and okc they said they would try their best to find the best fit to get him out of here as soon as possible that's that's what i've heard now a few times so i it's almost like a given that they have to trade him this offseason so I, I don't think it's about it's really just about getting back the best package for him. And I, I don't it think, is. I don't think East or West matters too much, but I, I do think Milwaukee's got to be right there with Phoenix. Yeah. You're right about the ripping it down because if, if they do trade Chris Paul, then, you know, Gallinari is probably going to be a, you know, possibly a signing trade somewhere else. Sure. Uh, Steven Adams, you got to think he is going to be on the block and, you know, he may be a, a player that, Maybe go to Boston if they're looking for that big man. So yeah, I bet he's a they're, deadline they're, move, though, Scott. I, I, they probably want want to split that salary up a little bit in terms of the cash. You know, obviously, there won't right. be a cap hit, but I, I bet they, they let OKC pay half of that sucker. And then at the deadline, you're right, Boston's all in probably. But like, like you said, breaking things down. I mean, trade happened yesterday, potential trade. Dennis Schroeder going to Los Angeles Lakers, bringing back Danny Green, who's an older shooter. You know, obviously they're they're on the train moving. So I think more than likely Chris Paul is out the door. They're not going to keep him until uh, the trade deadline, I don't think. You know, 
they've got all these picks, like you you said. They've, they've got so many picks stockpiled. They're just going to retool from the ground up, potentially, and, and, and go from there. Um, so if it's yeah. Milwaukee, do they have enough ammo to make Sam Presti happy? Do you, have you heard? I mean, are we, like I said. Probably Bled. I, I would think Bledsoe's probably going to have to be in there as well. Okay, so here's the problem. So you'd have to send Bledsoe, maybe maybe Lopez. Um, uh, um, you know, if they want to move on from Chris Middleton, maybe. But I, I don't think that is probably an option. No, you can't do that and then George, try to keep Giannis. George Hill. George there Hill. There you go. There you I go. Mean, That's the name. So you're, there, there's going to be um, – they're going to have to put together something, but then, you know, with the salary matching that's going to have to happen, right. they're essentially going to gut their team, and then they're going to be stuck with minimums and their, their exception. So that's um, what they're looking for, OKC, our expiring contracts. They want one and dones to move on from Paul. They want to get rid of Paul's salary. They want some expiring contracts. I believe George Hill qualifies for that. There's a, uh, you know, competent, but not too competent. They want to be middle of the road probably or get down as far as possible so that some of these draft picks, you know, I laid out on Twitter yesterday. They, they, have, they have almost all of their own draft picks. So, you know, their standings in the league obviously benefits them in terms of a draft pick, but they also have, you know, a Memphis pick and a, clip, a couple of Clippers picks. And there's just a lot, there's a lot hanging out there, a Houston pick. So, um, yeah, they're going to be in good shape in terms of a quick turnaround. But it benefits them to have expiring contracts this year, especially with what could be happening with the cap. Absolutely. Okay. And the other thing I'll say, the other thing I'll say with the on the OKC side is, you know, they floated out that this trade was happening. I, I'm I am not I am not solid that this trade is going to be just as reported Schroeder for Danny Green in a pick. I, I could see another team coming in and saying, oh, I'd rather have Danny Green and some other things happen. So I, I'm not surprised that this uh, that report got leaked out or you know reported out as early as it did yesterday, knowing that the window opens up at noon today. Uh, so keep it keep that in mind as well. What are we thinking? I, I think Woj had some numbers out there. What What's it looking like for the salary cap here, Scott? Yeah, so as we said, the salary cap as is, just like it was last year, the 109 and the 132 for the luxury tax. And then it's the minimum uh, for the next few years. It's a minimum of 3% raise as high as a 10% raise. So next year we're looking at 112.4. Then it goes up to 115.7 and then 119.2. And keep in mind, those are the minimums. Those are where it's going to be. It could go a little higher. Um, so in, in as we say, it could go up to 10%. So that that's kind of important with some of these uh, signings that may happen if they have player options. You know, if players decide to opt out, you know, they can get up to an 8% raise on that first year salary. So if the cap doesn't necessarily outrun that 8%. They may want to stay with the uh, opt-in because their salary may not outrun that cap in the future years. So knowing that information is going to be extremely important to some of those teams, knowing that what the minimum cap is at least going to be. Okay. And the last point to make is we had four, four taxpayers last season. One of which yep. is OKC. That's why we're talking like we're talking. They want to rip it down a little bit financially because you don't want to be the repeater. 
You don't want to be a repeater. So we had Miami, Minnesota, OKC, and Portland pay taxes last season. We did. Anyone in trouble of being repeaters here? Anybody in trouble right now in terms of 2021? OKC will be potentially, um, if, if they don't move some uh, uh, cap here. Um, okay. The Golden State Warriors, they're most likely going to uh, be over yeah, this year. We talked about that. That's an, <laughs> but but they so, did. They weren't there last year, so they, they won't be a repeater. But Portland, not this year, but next year they would be right. And then Portland, Portland was last year. Are they going to be this year? Or are they going to have to move a piece? Uh, if they're over the tax this year, then yeah, they would be a repeater next year. So they may want to move a piece and and get under so that they're not having to have a repeater unless they don't necessarily care. But it, yeah, it will be important for them. And like we've said before, what they start the season with does not matter. It is what they end with. So totally. So we're just kind of foreshadowing moves because that I mean, if if that's a McCollum trade at the deadline, right? In order to get themselves under the tax threshold, it's something to keep an eye out for because they might need. I mean, how much are they over right now, Scott? Do you have it? Uh, I do not. Let me pull it up real quick. They are. They've got twenty million in luxury space. So they've got some luxury tax base work to 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 have, but again, that's without um, they're only at ten players on the roster. So if they have some moves in there, that may creep up there. But right now, they're they're below um, by about twenty. In good shape for once. <laughs> All right, good stuff. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll keep up with the trade stuff today. Like I said, that starts at noon Eastern as well. Uh, a lot of option decisions coming in, not just Anthony Davis. There's been probably a, a half dozen or so. We expect more of those to come in. And it's going to be a mixed bag because of what Scott said. Some of these guys are going to realize that, you know, next year's cap isn't going to be where, where they want it to be in terms of the, uh, the ability to elongate a contract. You're going to see some guys opt in. I think Gordon Hayward is probably the most interesting one to watch because it's going to carve out Boston's path over the next couple of weeks here. And, uh, you know, make it more either simpler or harder for them to operate if they need, do need to make some changes on that roster. So keep an eye on Hayward as well. Follow it all at SpotTrek on Twitter. Obviously, SpotTrek.com slash NBA. We're covering all the draft stuff, all the free agency stuff, all the trade stuff. And uh, we'll be here all week. A couple of shows this week to kind of break down all this information. Thanks to The Athletic. Visit TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrek for 40% off your first year subscription for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.